Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman. How are you doing? Are we going to switch the video over? <laughs> yeah, messing with the audio, I know. Okay. Yeah, welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman. <clears throat> Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Whatever happened to, to predictability? The milkman, the paperboy, evening TV? It's a rare condition in this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page. It's like you're always stuck in second gear when it hasn't been your day, your month, or even your year. There's a path you take and a path not taken. The choice is up to you, my friend. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around, but those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Now, the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. What may be right for you may not, may, may not be right for some. So give us any chance. We'll take it. Give us any rule. We'll break it. We're going to make our dreams come true. Come and dance on our floor. Take a step that is new. We have a lovable space that needs your face. So show me that smile again. Don't waste another minute on your crying. Don't fight the feeling that you know you want to have a good time. And in my opinionation, the sun is going to surely shine. So this is it. This is it. This is life. This is the one you get. So go and have. A ball. What would we do, baby, without us? Sha-la-la-la. Anyway, I call that bit platitudes. So, um, yeah, this is Shock Monkey Radio. That's the kind of craziness you're going to find here on Shock Monkey Radio. And uh, I want to tell you that I have no beer today. And uh, I'm quite perturbed about this fact. I have no beer today, and there's only one person to blame, and that is you, dear listener. Because you have not go on, gone over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio and become a patron. Say, so even if you don't want to look at my ugly face, and I can understand and respect that, absolutely. I don't even like editing my own videos. But if you just want to show your support, it's $3 a month. I'd really appreciate it. Or you can always use uh, Cash App and use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio, all one word, no underscores or anything like that. Just shockmonkeyradio, dollar sign, <laughs> shockmonkeyradio. Send me some beer money. Anyway, so you were talking about. Um, Sitcoms, weren't you? You were just talking about sitcoms? Somebody was talking about sitcoms. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Genie's belly button from I, I Dream of Genie. Uh, now, here was, here was something that was uh, a big deal in the 60s, is that you know uh, they started doing things like showing people's belly buttons on TV. And it was, it was sort of a controversy. I think uh, like I Dream of Genie was probably one of the most uh, notable things because she was constantly in the Genie costume. Uh, um, every now and then, Ginger might wear something on Gilligan's Island. Other, uh, every now and then, that will show her belly button. And I think even on Star Trek once, Uhuru, Uhuru showed her belly button. And so um, there was this thing that was a kind of a controversy. It's like we don't want to be showing, we don't want to be showing people's belly buttons. And this is what life was like before the internet. This was, <laughs> you know, people would have these conversations in these rooms. These uh. These powerful television executives having conversations like, 
well, why can't we show her belly button? I want to see her belly button. You know, and it's all, it's, you know, it was all a bunch of dudes, obviously. Like, I want to see her belly button. And you know what? Um, there was this, there was this trend as well in um, journalism where um, all this, uh, the peace, love, and <laughs> all the, that whole movement, the whole hippie movement, if you will, in the United States in the 60s, you know, was covered by journalists because there was frequently involved photographs of scantily clad young women. All right. And so, you know, you send a photographer and a journalist out to Woodstock or something like that. And the photographer, being a dude, is going to sit there and just snap pics of hot chicks all day. You know, that's just the kind of pervs we are. We're all, you know, pervs like that. And so, um, and people ate it up. You know, they love that kind of journalism, you know. They wanted to see that kind of thing. They wanted to envision a hippie life where you get to bang a bunch of funky smelling girls, <laughs> funky smelling hotties. But when it comes to like uh, the belly button, showing the belly button on, on TV, particularly I Dream of Jeannie, I think I read somewhere that she had like a little plug, a flesh colored plug that they had to like put on her belly button because they didn't want her to show a belly button on TV. And I can't, I can't imagine, you know, going down to the props department and asking, it's like, we want you to get like, uh, what was her name? Barbara Eden's. We want you to get, uh, get <laughs> we're going to have to make a mold of Barbara Eden's belly button so it fits securely in there. It doesn't come out while she's moving around on set. And, so, and this is all all apart from the conversations in the boardrooms. It was like, uh, you know, we want. He's like, you can't show the belly button. It could remind people of the vagina. There, seriously, like there could have had people saying stuff like this in boardrooms, censorship and stuff like that. the some censors, television censors. So we can't we can't show that. It will make people think of sex. And it's like, well, why do you have a? Why do you have this? Uh, it's basically like a sex slave fantasy for a for a dude. You know, the whole I dream of genie thing is you have this hot chick in a bottle. You can, you know, rub on the bottom, the old bottle of Jim Beam or something. Out she pops and hot chick with no belly button. So who knows what else is, because uh, you don't know, you know, what else is under there. If she has no belly button, you have no idea what that gin is. You know, there was also uh, um, uh, the controversy about shows like Bewitched and um, I Dream of Genie where they're talking about like occultism occultism and in bewitched because of uh, witchcraft and so forth and it's like there's a bunch of christians who are like oh we don't we're gonna boycott bewitched because it's a it uh promotes witchcraft and i was like you know <laughs> relax relax they're not it's not like it's not like it's a show teaching spells all right and i don't think that <laughs> there are anything such anything such thing any such thing as spells so yeah, and they were talking about like um, you know, in the a genie, for example, it's it's been used in, you know, obviously like uh uh plenty of uh, uh lore over the centuries. But I mean, it's it's basically an obscure like Mesopotamian uh I want to say, I may be wrong, Mesopotamian uh monster. <laughs> and uh I think they've even made recent movies about like uh like armies fighting jinn over there in the Middle East. And so I mean, people thought that, you know, because it wasn't like christian in origin it was you know it was it was bad and so you know i dream of genie's bad and you get and, you know they showed her belly button on tv oh my god you know it was the 60s you know didn't <laughs> you know a guy got murdered on television okay <laughs> you, can't, you can't show a belly button yeah lee harvey oswald was murdered on live television all right can't have a belly button for i dream of genie 
It's just a stupid show. And it is. They're all stupid shows. All those shows of the 60s. If you watch them today under you know our understanding of what how like pacing and comedy works in this modern era, they're absurd. They're absurd. It's like getting a comic book from 1945. It is incredibly boring in comparison to modern comic books. I don't know if you've ever got a hold of a like a golden age comic book or even gone online and found some of these uh these places that where you can read old comic books. Um you know, you can go look at, look back at those old comics in the 40s and 50s and like, man, they were they were awful in comparison. They were awful. <laughs> Cuz I mean, you know, the art form evolves. The art form evolves over time. So, I mean, and that was part of what happened in the 60s is that the art form evolved by allowing belly buttons on TV for the first time. You know, but then again, they're also making shows like Batman, where they just turned Batman into a car- living cartoon character. Not that there, not there was anything wrong with that, because I mean, I do appreciate a little bit of Adam West and Burt Ward from now, from time to time. All right, but I mean, you're talking about a very interesting uh, decade when it comes to to American culture, and that's the '60s, and all of this plays into you know what has caused you know America on this path. <laughs> wherever we are today you know it's it's the way our culture works i know nobody half of you out there who who are listening probably don't even know who what i and genie is you don't remember watching bewitched on a black and white television all right tv was horrible back in the day anyway so i just thought it was interesting i was i don't know for some reason i was thinking of i dream of genie's belly button i don't know because I think it was because porn wasn't as abundant as it is today. Uh, so you'd have to sit there and think, <laughs> watch I Dream a Genie and just memorize her body or something like that as best you can. So I joined a guild in World of Warcraft Classic. Now, uh, I don't know if you're a gamer or anything like that, but I, I, I do like gaming from time to time. So um, they, they, they seem like a pretty nice group of guys, this guild. Uh, I got on Discord and I ran uh, Blackrock, uh, Blackrock, Blackrock Depths with them and Skolomance, Skolomance. I don't know what it's how it's pronounced, but we ran those dungeons a couple times with them. Uh, they are a little racist against night elves, and I'm you know two of my guys are night elves, but I suppose that's the only kind of racism that is allowed these days. Um, so I played quite a while before joining a guild or even really doing much grouping at all. Um, so I got two level 60s, and I never joined a guild or did any dungeons, like I said. Because I'm actually quite antisocial, especially when it comes to gaming. Um, but Legacy, the name of this guild, Legacy seems to be a small and helpful guild, and they really do seem like nice guys. But I am hesitant to tell them about this podcast. I did tell them about the Lost in Longbox uh, podcast because comic books came up organically in guild chat. <clears throat> but Shock Monkey Radio, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I would hate to be kicked out of the guild because of something I said here on this show. I mean, I may be super opinionated here during this hour, but every other hour of the week, I'm generally a real pussycat, meaning that I hide behind the couch and avoid humans as much as possible. So one has nothing to do, do with the other. I mean, I do this podcast because I want to share my thoughts with humanity so that I can feel less weird and get some validation in my thoughts and feelings. Still, I am hesitant to tell them about this show. Not because I find myself offensive, but because a couple of generations have come after me who are far too sensitive. Now, there's a fair, fair amount of swearing on our Discord, but dirty words are not what offends people these days. 
It's challenging concepts that offend, ideas that do not jive with your own. And I am not afraid of uh, being booted from the guild, as there are many guilds who actively recruit. I'll find another. I am more afraid of offending these guys because they were nice to me. They welcomed me into their guild and were patient with a noob hunter whose pet kept getting everyone in trouble. I only caused one wipe, and I felt bad about it, so I figured, now is not the time to bring up my controversial podcast. Now, you may watch this show or listen live or even on, listen on a podcast. I lost my place. <laughs> so, and you may, you may listen live and you may think, or you may listen to this podcast and you may think that that guy can't possibly have any friends if this is how he talks. Well, you'd be wrong. I only talk like this at length one hour a week and the rest is mostly typing. I generally play well with others IRL and I have plenty of friends, many of whom do, who do not agree with me politically. So why would I be reluctant to share this podcast with them? Because people tend to be colder over the internet. We all tend to be colder to people over the internet. It's just one of those cons about the information age. Anyway, you can look for me on WoW Classic. I am on the Windseeker server. The guild's name is Legacy. They're looking for 50-plus level characters. Uh, my main tunes are Gabardi, like Tulsi Gabbard, Gabbard with an I at the end. It's basically based after Tulsi Gabbard. And um, Dankleaf is my hunter, uh, D-A-N-K-L-E-I-F. Look me up, Windseeker server, WoW Classic. I often think back upon my youth. Long before the internet, in the 80s, when all television was appointment television, but we didn't know there were any other types. Back when we didn't have billions of hours of podcasts and YouTube videos to occupy us. I remember my summers going down to the lake every day to go fishing. This is upstate New York, so there are a, lot, there are a ton of varieties of beautiful fish. Rainbow trout, northern pike, plenty of stuff you don't see around here. I used to get a trash bag and wander around the town looking for discarded cans and bottles so I can go turn them into the corner store to get about a dollar's worth of uh, you know, comic books and candy bars or soda because I believe candy bars and sodas were like 25 cents back then. But usually... I wouldn't shell out that much for one piece of candy. Instead, I'd get a ton of penny candy, like Jawbreakers, you know, Tootsie Rolls, those kind of things. Each a penny. And I think that was awesome. The power of the American dollar and free enterprise to provide children like me with candy as cheap as one cent. Other days, I would dress up all in camouflage and take my plastic guns into the woods and play war with my friends. Or better yet, we would get a baseball bat, a tennis ball, and our gloves and play a pickup game of baseball in the yard. Other kids would come out of their houses with their gloves to join us, and you'd have to give them a quick rundown of the rules. White frisbee is first, big tree is second, yellow frisbee is third, and we're using ghost runners for now, and everything hit past the Johnson's driveway is a home run. Soon enough, I was closer to puberty and I moved to Georgia, where I attended a mostly black school where I was bullied for being white and therefore rich and therefore... Everything evil in the world, according to their perspective. But I never heard of any rich kids who collected cans for some, pen, for some penny candy. Puberty came, and, I, and my interest in G.I. Joe's and pickup baseball games went away. I graduated high school. I took up smoking. I had some beers from time to time. I failed out of community college and joined the Navy. 
I've seen the dawn of the information age and I worked within that field. I've, I've seen swingers clubs in Miami. I've seen clothing optional bars in Key West. I drank beers on a U.S. Navy command ship in the New York Harbor moored between Battery Park and the Statue of Liberty. I have seen residents of Madrid be incredibly racist towards Hispanic people. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I've watched the sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All these moments will one day be lost in time. Like tears in rain. So now that we've taken a dark turn, let's go to this next, <laughs> even darker turn. Here we go. Uh, so I've been watching um, a lot of true crime documentaries, and it's a shame that someone has to die in each one of these episodes. It kind of pisses me off that each, each one is like, you know, somebody died or worse. And so I was thinking about this. If, if we became ghosts when we die and we watch the living, how interested would you be in watching what happens to your body after you die, after you're no longer wearing it? All right. Imagine you are murdered, okay? And your ghost pops out and watches what your killer does afterwards. All right. Every time he grunts and groans or bitches about how heavy you are, you'd be proud of every extra pound you put on in life. What if your killer was one of those guys, it's usually a guy, who likes to pose your body, pose the bodies of his victims? You'd be sitting there watching him arrange flowers around your body thinking, what a weirdo. Or worse, what if, what, he, what if he's one of those dudes who has sex with your corpse? Perhaps you'd think, damn, dude, I'm glad you waited until I was after I was dead to do that, but damn, that's gross. Or maybe he passes on having sex with you, even though it's his whole M.O. Would you be offended he didn't have sex with your corpse? You may not want to watch it as he cuts up uh, your body and puts you into seven tr separate trash bags. But then again, you'd be standing over him digging a hole in the forest saying, that's not deep enough, bro. A wolf or a bear is going to smell that and dig it up. Maybe you watch his detectives show up at your killer's door because he's a, quote, person of interest. But they don't have enough evidence to arrest him. You'd be, <laughs> you'd be standing there silently shouting at the police, arrest him, this is a guy. Eventually, maybe a few days, in a few days, uh, the police find your DNA in the bed of his truck and finally have enough to arrest him. Imagine how awesome it would be. I bet you'd feel more positive about the police after something like that. Well, I guess, and I guess after that, you could hang around the courtroom thinking, dang, that blonde behind the foreman is cute. And you could silently cheer as the guilty verdict is handed down. Now, say if he is given the death penalty, and your anti-death penalty would, and your anti-death penalty, all right, if he gets the death penalty and your anti-death penalty, would you be angry about the sentence? Or would your posi position on the death penalty change when it comes to persons who kill you? Say he gets life in prison. Do you want to hang around a prison the rest of his life, just waiting for him to get raped by another inmate? Watching every interaction and conflict he has while inside, hoping, fingers crossed, that this is the conflict that will lead to his rape? <laughs> Or maybe he's one of those gay for the stay guys who never actually gets raped. How long do you think you'd hang around the prison waiting for that? What about your funeral? Would you go to your funeral? 
Say you go to your funeral, the funeral home, and the undertaker is that last dance with Mary Jane kind of guy who talks to your dead body and caresses your ears or some shit. You'd be thinking, damn, you're weirder than my killer. Then you'd have all the pomp and circumstance of your funeral. Would you be pissed off if so-and-so didn't come to your funeral? Really? Or what about those things that people say over your corpse? What if your best friend whispers over your casket, glad you're dead, motherfucker. Now I get your comic books. (laughs) You would be so disappointed and angry. Those are for my niece, you son of a bitch. So that is why I don't like going to funerals, and I certainly don't want to attend my own if I can avoid it. Do you ever think about stuff like this? Am I just weird? Anyway, it's a little bit early to get into the news worth knowing, but we're going to get into the news worth knowing. My show, do it my way. Eventually, a thing will come up for you patrons so you can see. I was getting to this first story. Tucker Carlson criticizes Facebook for censoring interview with Chinese virologist. Uh, Facebook and other tech giants have engaged in a troubling pattern of censoring speech surrounding major issues in the coronavirus debate. Fox Fox News host Tucker Carlson argued during his Wednesday night monologue. Carlson's comments came after Facebook slapped a warning label on on the video of his Tuesday interview with Chinese virologist Dr. Li Li Meng Yan, who claimed to have evidence showing that China intentionally release COVID-19 onto the general population. Quote, within a few hours of her interview last night, Carlson said, a video of of the segment reached 1.3 million people on Facebook. And why wouldn't it? The coronavirus pandemic has touched the life of every American, and justifiably, people want to know where it came from. But Facebook still doesn't want you to know that. So Facebook suppressed the video, presumably on behalf of the Chinese government. Facebook executives made it harder. Excuse me. Facebook executives made it harder for users to watch our segment. Those who found the video uh, had to navigate a warning that the interview repeats information, quote, repeats information about COVID-19 that independent fact checkers say is false. He added, quote, Instagram, which Facebook also owns, did the same thing. Twitter suspended Dr. Yan's account entirely. It did not explain why, nor did the tech companies explain how they would know more about the disease disease transmission than an MD, PhD virologist like Dr. Li Meng Yan. Instead, Facebook and Instagram linked to three so-called fact checks uh, which supposedly proved Yan was lying. But if you clicked on the provided links, you noticed something odd. The fact checks were all published months ago, many months in January, February, and March, and they had nothing to do uh, with what Dr. Li Meng Yan said on our show. One of the fact checks, attack, fact checks attacks a completely unrelated claim. The virus was patented with a vaccine which was prepared and ready to go. What does this have to do with the interview we did last night? <clears throat> no one will tell us that. The truth is, and you know it, to be, <clears throat> that if you watch carefully, experts have been wrong frequently throughout this pandemic, and they changed their prescriptions many times. Carlson argued that the solution uh, to experts being fallible with, uh, was more speech. Quote, the solution in this age-old problem, and what we used to understand this intuitively, is more informed voices in the conversation. That's how you make wise decisions. That's how you get to the truth. Diversity of view. Facebook does not believe this, he said. 
They believe in censorship. Censorship does not make us wiser. It does not make us all better informed. If it did, we'd be speaking Russian right now. The Soviet Union would run the world. It would have worked, but instead the Soviet Union is extinct. It collapsed under the weight of its own absurdities. Absurdities abetted by censorship. And that's the basic lesson of dictatorships, all of them. Anything less, anything built on lies falls apart over time. So I'm sorry just to like parrot what Tucker Carlson said on his show. But what I mean is that, you know, I think it's important for us all to understand is that there is a real, a real censorship taking place in our world right now. You know, and when somebody who, whose show is as popular as uh, Tucker Carlson, you can hit the stinger if you like. And the news worth knowing stinger. Thank you, EK. Got into it a little early. So this is the thing about the censorship. Even when somebody has, who has a popular show, as popular as uh, Tucker Carlson's show, you know, he, can, he is being censored by these tech platforms. Same with Donald Trump. You know, they're adding these warnings to things he says or caveats. They're adding, you know, put adding stuff into their posts. You know, I think that's like somebody making notations in your diary. All right. <clears throat> I think that's wrong. You know, I think it's wrong to uh, try to censor people or to uh, immediately debunk people. That's insane. That's insane. It's that you absolutely do need more voices. Absolutely. Tucker Carlson's right. And it's like you need lots of opinions. You need, you need madmen talking about these opinions. You need, you need ex- actual experts talking about these opinions. You know, opinions, you know, lead to conclusions, I suppose, in many ways. They help, they help us take facts, you know, <laughs> and decide what to do with them. Anyway, let's go on to the next story. In the Oregon wildfires, a woman seen holding up suspected arsonist at gunpoint. Woman said she won't be so nice should she face the same situation again. Uh, I wouldn't have said that if I were you. Let's read the story, though. An Oregon woman was captured on video holding a suspected arsonist at gunpoint on Saturday when she allegedly caught him on her property carrying only matches. The woman, Cat Cast, can be seen in the video parking her car, grabbing a gun, and approaching the suspect as he is crossing a road. Quote, get on the floor right now, face down. What are you doing on my property? Cash shouts at the man. Did you light anything on fire? Yes. Uh, when the man tells her she, he was just, quote, passing through, uh, she asks why he is holding matches. The man tells her the matches were for smoking, but he later admitted he had no cigarettes. Cast holds him at gunpoint until the police arrive. Amid accusations that the video was fake or staged, Cast wrote on Facebook that the incident truly did happen. There was nothing fake about it. Quote, I will tell you something, uh, though, if you need to do this again to protect, if I need to do this again to protect my family and my neighbors, I will in a heartbeat do it again, except this time I will not be as nice as I was. She declined to speak for, with anyone further about the incident. The video came after weeks of devastating wildfires have raged up and down the West Coast. In Oregon, looters and thieves have uh, compounded the tragedy as residents try to evacuate from active fire fronts and law enforcement staffing is already on short supply. Wildfires raging across the state have burned more more than 1,300 square miles. At least eight people have been killed. Now, it, uh, if you go watch this video, um, she does have a pistol. She, she does pull it out, and he does get down on the ground. He complies. God knows what would happen if he tried to fight her or run. So, I mean, this is a possibly dangerous situation that didn't go that way. But she is, is like, once, she, once he knows she has a pistol... She's holding it behind her back the whole time. She's not, like, brandishing it in his face. 
And I think that, that was fairly wise to do uh, when it comes to defending your own property. I think that's fairly wise. Like, you, know, you know, accidental discharge, <laughs> you don't want to point it at him. It should, there should there be an accidental discharge or, you know. But, you know, these people shouldn't be on other people's property, obviously. They shouldn't be starting fires, you know. And it's forcing people to uh, defend their property in this way. It's just like the, uh, what they, the McCloskeys in St. Louis. You know, when these people are like coming onto other people's property, private property, you know, you're forcing people, forcing these kinds of situations to happen. And the more these situations happen, the more likely there is going to be an accident and somebody's going to get hurt that doesn't need to. So I beg you, be safe. Don't be the kind of dipshit that wanders around the woods in Oregon trying to start fires. You know? Because she has every right to defend her property with her firearm. Just like the McCloskeys did in St. Louis. All right. God forbid in both, I mean, God forbid if something horrible happened in either of those situations, you know, because, I mean, it would have been a very different news story altogether. And that's the kind of thing that scares me. I don't want anyone to get shot on purpose or accidentally. I don't want anyone to get killed, you know, even if it's a lawful kill. You know, somebody attacks you on your property and you have to use your weapon. I don't want that to happen. I don't want people. I don't want uh, people to be put in that position, who ha- who are on their private property. That should be your safe space, your own personal safe space. And it's ironic that there's a bunch of it's all a bunch of these kids who grew up on safe spaces who are invading other people's safe spaces. Damned ironic. Let's go on to the next story. Uh, families aim to find safe haven. Build City of Freedom for Black People on 97 Acres in Georgia. Land owned by the Freedom Georgia Initiative is about two hours southeast of Atlanta. Uh, 19 black families who collectively purchased nearly 100 acres in Georgia, uh, they call the, quote, future city of freedom, want to inspire a sense of ownership and leave a legacy for the next generation. Founders Renee Walters and Ashley Scott told Fox News. Walter and Scott called their project uh, the Freedom Georgia Initiative and hosted a, quote, big black campout over Labor Day weekend to spread the word. That sounds fun. Uh, the deaths of Ahmed Aubrey in Georgia and Breonna Taylor in Kentucky and George Floyd in Minnesota, quote, sparked something in us to go out and do something, find a safe haven, a special place for us where we can go and relax and be free and breathe. Walters said, The land, which is about two hours southeast of Atlanta, is a blank space for now. Walters and Scott envision it as a retreat center that will eventually include a tiny home retirement community and homes for the founding families. Uh, This is a quote from Walters. We are a very different group of people. Some of us have children. Some of us are single. Some of us, most of us are married. Everybody has different professions. We've got an we've got entertainers, pastors, therapists, and doctors. Their goal is to make a man-made lake and a farmhouse by the end of the year. Quote, we're dead. We're dead last when it comes to wealth. Scott said. When it comes to the people who have been impacted most by the, by the pandemic, it's black American families. Okay, dude. Quote, when I, when I look at ways to solve our problems, I think it's important uh, for the brightest talent in our community to have the resources, to have the place to think and to innovate, she continued. Freedom Georgia Initiative is about, is about getting in the mindset to build generational wealth, Scott said. Quote, we can't ever get ahead if we're not giving our children a setup, she said. The upper level of power and leaders are white men, and that's just the reality of America. We can't expect white men to solve black women and black men problems 
because we have different perspectives. This is this is a chance for us to create a safe space for us to uh, to self determine what our communities need. Scott and Walters are both mothers, and Walters said her teens are really proud of the Freedom Georgia initiative. Quote: A lot of people expect entertainers and musicians and things like that to influence our children, and I always say I'm my children's biggest influence. Walters said. Now look, I'm all about. I'm all about you making your own safe space. Absolutely. If you, bought, if you bought that land, it's your land. You could do whatever the hell you want on it as far as I'm concerned. All right? It sounds pretty awesome. You sound like you're already planning camper trips and stuff like that. You're going you're gonna to be gr- grilling all sorts of meat and hanging out with friends and family, and that sounds like a blast, you know? And, I, and you're going to have build a retirement home. That's great. That's absolutely great. And that's, that's the whole uh, beauty of America is that you can own your property. You know, you can have your own little world, you know. Uh, I, some dude came to America and built the Coral Castle, for God's sake. You know, <laughs> you could do whatever you want on your property, and that's fine. And if you want to make it, you know, slightly racist by, you know, saying that, you know, it's like we need a leg up because, you know, uh, it's, you know, white people have all the money. It's like, okay, that's fine, too. You know, I mean, uh, back, I don't know, 100 years ago, there were plenty of little white enclaves, you know, where they wanted to, you know, they didn't want any outside. They didn't want any non-Dutch people. <laughs> you know about those people, right? They didn't want any non-Dutch people in, in their communities. So, I mean, if you want to do that, if you want to go and segregate yourself, I guess you have every right to do that. But, I mean, and you have every, every right to build your own castle on this earth here in America. And that's great, you know, but I mean, I find it, there's a little bit of a racist tinge to all of this. So, you know, like I said earlier in the show, you know, I was never a rich kid. I never had any privilege. You know, I got 75 subscribers on my YouTube channel. So, oh wait, 77. I got 77 subscribers on my, on my YouTube channel. So where's, where's my white privilege? I haven't seen it yet. Anyway, let's talk about uh, Ben Shapiro. For a bit. This might be a short show today. Uh, so Ben Shapiro on moving his operation out of California. Bad governance has consequences. <laughs> That's a quote from Ben Shapiro. Daily Wire editor-in-chief Ben Shapiro told Fox News on Wednesday that the California government has failed its citizens and businesses and that he is therefore moving his news company from the Golden State to the other side of Interstate 40 in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> Shapiro told the Ingram Angle that other than a few years away from school, he has lived his entire life in California and is sad to leave, but, there, but that he has no choice. This is a quote. I love the state. Grew up in the state. Married in the state. I have children in the state. We're out, he said. We are taking our seven to five employees and we're moving to Nashville. Bad governance has consequences. It turns out when you raise taxes and threaten, the lot, threaten to raise taxes more, I'm going to stop doing this Ben Shapiro voice. <laughs> it's a little annoying, right? <laughs> like Ben Shapiro's voice. Okay, this is what he said. We're taking our 75 employees and moving to Nashville. Bad governance has consequences. It turns out when you raise taxes and threaten to raise taxes more, when you provide absolutely crappy public services, when quality of life continues to degrade, when you undermine the police, when you prevent them from being able to enforce the law, you allow 66,000 homeless people, many of whom are mentally ill or drug addicted, to sleep in the streets of L- in L.A. County and declare yourselves freer and better, Shapiro continued. 
He said that in spite of all, all the distress in the state, the sole compensation for the residents appears to be that, that neighbors are able to plunk up, plunk a dumb lawn sign reading Black Lives Matter and other slogans to declare your own virtue. I'm sorry, that is not a great place to raise children and not a great place to build a company, Shapiro said. In contrast with California's systematically, uh, systematically democratic policies, Tennessee has a more Republican government and lower taxes than California. That's it. He's trying to save money. That's all. Which is smart. Plus, you know, I think I have a very strong feeling. I think that Ben Shapiro wants to get in on some like country bands doing some fiddling. You know, maybe get with the latest country artist. You know, it's like do a double deck went down to Georgia recover. You know, with Ben Shapiro on the on the violin. I think that's his real motivation. I think that's what he really wants to do. I think he's sitting there at home. It's like I have had enough of all this politics. Bullshit. <laughs> I just want to be in a band. And if, if that's the case, more power to you. I would rather be in a band than talking about politics myself. All right? Unfortunately, I am not very talented at all. I have a mediocre amount of talent. <laughs> so good for you, Ben Shapiro. I think that that's a wise move. And if EK and I suddenly disappear one day, uh, we that's probably got jobs in Nashville working for Daily Wire. Good for you, Ben Shapiro. I mean, finally, you know, I, I've surprised you've lived in California that long. All right, we got these last two news stories. <laughs> I'm really zipping it out today. So, <clears throat> Australian airline Qantas, quote, flight to nowhere sells out in 10 minutes. Probably the fastest selling flight in Qantas's history, spokeswoman said. Australian air carrier Qantas uh, announced that a seven-hour scenic flight to nowhere, which will take off and land at the same airport amid inter- interstate travel restrictions during the coronavirus pandemic, sold out in 10 minutes, according to a report. The unusual flight is scheduled to depart from Sydney on October 10th and return on the same day, making absolutely no stops while promising pa- passengers low-level scenic views over Uluru and the Great Barrier Reef, among other spots. Buyers quickly snatched up the 134 seats uh, available, priced between $575 and $2,765, depending upon seating class, a Qantas spokeswoman told Reuters. Passengers are set to travel on a wide Boeing 787, normally used for long-distance international travel. Pack them in. Uh, Quote, it's probably the fastest-selling flight in Qantas's history, the spokeswoman added. People clearly miss travel and the experience of flying. If the demand is there, we'll definitely look at doing more of these scenic flights while we all wait for borders to open. <laughs> We're just going to do circles. <laughs> do a lap, yeah. Uh, so last month, Qantas CEO Alan Joyce said the airline shed 20% of its overall jobs during the summer and the coronavirus pandemic, which is made for, quote, this is made for the worst trading conditions in our 100-year history. He added, to put it simply, we're an airline that can't really fly many places, at least for now. Other la- airlines have offered similar sightseeing flights in Asia, as the region has seen a 97.5 decrease in international travel amid tougher border restrictions to limit the spread of the virus, according to the Asso- uh, Association of Asian Pacific Airlines. Airlines in Taiwan and Japan recently conducted similar flights to provide customers with the pleasures of air travel and help with sleep declines in revenue. Steep declines in revenue. Wow. Chen Shu Zi, 
44, an engineer from Taipei, signed up for an incoming Tiger Air Taiwan flight expected to depart the city and circle over South Korea's Jeju Island, the news organization reported. They're all doing laps. Ji said he signed, uh, she signed up due to the re- her recent lack of air travel because the flight, which cost $236, included a one-year voucher for round-trip tickets from Taiwan to Korea. Damn. The pandemic uh, has, de- this is a quote, the pandemic has a devastating impact on tur- tourism and the airline industry. So I want to help boost the economy, and I miss flying, she told Reuters. Yeah, I imagine, like, a lot of people who are in the uh, air travel industry, whether it be the flight attendants or the even the pilots and stuff like that, I'm sure a lot of it is just, you know, flying. That's, I mean, you know, my first time in a plane, it, was, it just blew my mind. It's like, we're flying, <laughs> like Superman. And I imagine, you know, it, it's, it's, I guess it's kind of like, I mean, I like driving. Why wouldn't I like flying? I bet if I was in the, you know, the World War II generation and I ended up as a pilot, you know, I would have gotten into that. I think that would be fun. Being Flying must be fun. And so, I mean, I guess it's better to do laps. From what I understand, there's a, like, jet fuel. It goes bad after a while and they have to use it. I think I've read that somewhere or heard that in the Navy or something like that. Is uh some jet fuel like dissipates over time? It's like vodka or something like that. It uh, you leave it open, it'll just disappear eventually. Anyway, let's go on to this last story. Wow, only forty four minutes into the show. Last story. Elderly man mistakes frozen drink machine for a hand sanitizing station. Washes up with the red drink. So uh, there's a little sub sub headline here. It says liquid ne- liquid needs to have at least sixty percent alcohol to be an effective hand sanitizer. <laughs> the slushy slushy machine doesn't have that much alcohol. Okay, so um, as businesses adapt to the coronavirus pandemic, it could sometimes be confusing for customers who don't know proper health and safety protocols in certain public areas. And as one viral video shows, this can sometimes lead people to making an unfortunate mistake. A video recently posted to Twitter allegedly showing a confused elderly man walking into a convenience store, approaching a frozen frozen drink machine, and pouring some of the red liquid on his hands. He, he then rubs his hands together in a way that make it appear as though he, was, he assumed the machine was a hand sanitizer dispenser. <laughs> According to the video, which is a cell phone uh, recording of a footage captured by security cameras, the incident appears to ha- uh, have occurred between 3 and 4 p.m. on September 15th. On Twitter, the footage has been viewed over 276,000 times and has received over 12,000 likes. One user replied, bless him, he's tried to take some form of precaution. <laughs> Several other users responded saying that while he, he made a mistake, at least he was trying to do the right thing and deserve respect for that. The footage was also shared with Reddit, where one user, jo- uh, one user joked, they caught him red-handed. Aww, that's too easy. That was too easy. Fox News previously reported that CDC recommends using hand sanitizer with alcohol content of at least 60% to be most effective. <laughs> so you should go look for this video. It is hilarious. It's just this sweet old man with a mask on uh, sauntering into the store. And there's a little station right by the, right by the door. It has the red and the blue slushy flavors, you know. And he just goes up and just washes his hands with it. It's like, there we go. 
And you know what's funny is that, you know, because of its temperature, I wonder if he would have, like, thought, it was like, oh, damn, it's cold. <clears throat> but, you know, if he did, if it was cold enough, I mean, I imagine it could technically be more sanitary afterwards. <laughs> but then the sugar on it, then, you know, as he's walking around, the hand, then it becomes real nasty. Then it becomes real nasty. And it reminds me of my idea of, like, making, like, uh, you know how role-playing games have, like, four-sided die, six-sided die, eight-sided die, ten-sided die. 20 sided die well you you make a candy you know make candy shaped die like a d20 that's candy like a like a jawbreaker kind of candy that way when you're done with your game session you got it like at least eight like four five pieces of candy you know but then the problem would be is like some people would be licking like one end so the 20 would come up more and then they'll be licking licking it and then they'd be rolling it over the character sheets and there's this little track pattern of you know like a blue stain from the candy the blue, the blue D20. Anyway, if somebody wants to come up with that idea, you know, you could, you could steal that idea from me. I mean, I, I have, I have brilliant ideas every second of the day, but uh, that's all the news stories I have. I'm going to have to end the show early, it seems. So yeah, I want to remind you to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, become a patron, chip in some money, buy me some beer, or you could just send me some cash through cash app. I could use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio. It's all one word. Um, I'm also up on Parlor. Go look for me on Parlor. I like the free speech idea of Parlor. Uh, Shock Monkey Radio, all one word, just the same. Uh, be sure to uh, uh, subscribe to my YouTube ch- YouTube channel. Just search for Shock Monkey Radio. You should be find find it easily. And yeah, yeah, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman, and I love you. <laughs>